Go ahead and open to Matthew 5.13. We're still in the Shine series. You couldn't tell it though. Someone said earlier, it looks like our church has been taken over by the cast and crew of Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Vacation Bible School starts tonight. I trust you all are praying for that. You know, sometimes when you, when I am preparing and getting this sermon, uh, like preparing a series of sermons, um, I know what I'm going to say. I know where the text is. I know the topic. But sometimes it's uh, sometimes the title is tough, and I know. Um, I know that when you see the, the title for this sermon, you're probably thinking of Frozen, right? I mean, it's really difficult to not say, let it glow. See how difficult it is? I just did it. Now that song's going to be stuck in your head. Regardless of Frozen or not, I hope we're not Frozen, but regardless of those things, I hope that this morning as we're drawing near to the end of our Shine series, next week after Vacation Bible School, our stage should be decorated back up. Um, for the series, and we prepare for another summer message. Um, I want us to think this morning about that important thing. And one of the things that is different about this message this morning than really all of the other messages that we've had in the Shine series is that this one does not deal so much with us in the sense that we are not to be the main recipients of what the Bible is talking about. Before, in the messages, when we were speaking about light and the purposes of light, We saw that light directs, light reveals, light illuminates sin. We saw that light gives victory. We've seen that light gives life. We've seen all of these things that life does for us. But in this message this morning, it's really not about us as much in terms of being the recipients of the benefits as much as other people. So I hope that we'll be able to focus on that. Jesus tells us in verse 13, He tells his followers, and and in turn telling us, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Think about those few words that Jesus strings together. In the beginning of His earthly ministry, He has all 12 of those men um, that He has hand-chosen to be disciples. And He has this multitude and this crowd around Him and The Bible tells us that he leaves the crowd and takes the disciples up onto this mountain. And on that mountain, he delivers a series of kingdom principles, a message, a sermon, if you will, uh, outlining and highlighting what it is to be a kingdom person. And in that, he turns to his disciples and he says, you are the salt of the earth. And then he goes on to say, you are the light of the world. Now think about the weight of what Jesus has just said. I mean, think about for a moment the beauty of what Jesus just said. He turns to those men who in the beginning of their time with him, early on in their journey with him, 
very front end of their apprenticeship with Jesus, he turns to them, those 12, and says, you are the light of the world. Not, you will be the light of the world. Not, you're going to become the light of the world. But he says emphatically to them, you are, right now, at this moment in time, in the beginning of your walk with me, in the beginning of this journey, right now, he says, you are the light of the world. Think about those words. Look at your own life for a minute and think about hearing those words because those words were not just for those disciples. Those words were for each of us that would call ourselves followers of Jesus. Think of what an incredible responsibility that is. Think about that. Jesus turns to us and says, You Paul Yates are the light of the world. You, Gloria Shank, are the light of the world. You, Sharon Minton, are the light of the world. What a tremendous responsibility is ours. That we would go through this world of darkness, that we would go into the shadows of this world, the scary, the, the uncertain shadows of this world, and be a light for Jesus. What a tremendous responsibility what a glorious privilege we've been given for jesus to say you are the light of the world you know what makes this such a more beautiful picture than just jesus turning to those 12 flawed men and saying you're the light of the world in john chapter 8 verse 12 jesus says i am the light of the world speaking of himself he says i am and the light of the world, that he not just would give us a great responsibility, but what a privilege to be able to be a light bearer, to be a reflection of Jesus. Friends, it's not just a responsibility that weighs on our shoulders and causes us to bow over with that, with that weight of that responsibility, but it's a privilege that causes our heads to get a little more level in our our shoulders to get back and our chest to, to get up. Not that we're anything special, but that we see our value. That Christ would say, just like me, while I'm in the world, you are the light of the world. In the book of Ephesians, the apostle is writing to the believers. And he says to them, you were once darkness. Not you were once in darkness, but you were once darkness. But now, he says to them, you are the light, you are light in the Lord. Jesus would take us who were darkness, walking in darkness, manifesting darkness, promoting darkness. He would take us who were bound and, 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 and stuck in darkness. He would call us out of darkness, moral darkness, to his son Jesus. He would save us, begin a new work in us, and then say, I want you, I'm calling you, I'm equipping you to be agents of light who were once, not in, but who were once darkness. What an awesome phrase. I hope that for every one of us as believers, those words, those of us that know we've trusted Christ as our Savior, that those words that you are the light of the world would mean something to us. That it would both be a responsibility, that it would both be a privilege, and in that it would be a beautiful string of words that Jesus put together for us, that it would both encourage us in our journey. I want you to see something about this light. 
First thing is this. This light is not manufactured. In this sanctuary, we manufacture light. If we want it to be lighter, we have two options. We can either put more lights in here or make it darker. And you see that for VBS, they're blacking out the windows. Not all of the paper has stayed up, but it'll be up this week. There are two ways we can, we can increase the amount of light. One is to get more lights or to make it darker around us. Those principles that we think about are, are kind of similar in a sense to what Jesus is talking about, except what He is talking about, this light that is in us, is not something that is manufactured. If you think about it, nowhere in here does Jesus teach us how to make more light. He doesn't encourage them to be more bright. That's not what He's saying. We're going to get to that at the end, but there's nowhere in here is He speaking about us manufacturing light. This light is placed. This is what I love so much. That moment just a few weeks ago, Bria, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, that moment, the Bible says that God placed within you, placed within every one of us that are, savior, that are, that are believers, He placed within us at that moment His Spirit. The very Spirit of God came to take up residence inside of us. Not just for the purpose of taking up residence inside of us, but for the purpose of working through and out of our lives for God's glorious purpose. That light that Jesus is speaking about, that light that He is saying those believers are, is anything that we do in our life as a result of that redemption in Jesus Christ. Let me put it like this. Simply put, anything we do in life as a result of Christ, His Word, that manifests Him to the lost world. Anything that helps people be able to see Jesus Christ Anything that causes people to get us mixed up with Him. Anything in our life that bears a likeness to Jesus Christ as based off of the work of His Spirit through our life or the work of His Word in our life. Any of those things are light. He's speaking about actions. Let your good works so shine before men. He's talking about actions, not just in our speech, but in where we go, how we go, where we don't go. Those type of character changes that are the result of the indwelling working of God in our life. Do we light up a room for Jesus? That's the question. Do people look at us and wonder, man, there is a change. There is something so radically distinct. There's nothing more distinct in all the world than the difference between light and dark. Jesus knows exactly what He's saying when He says, you are the light. You are to be distinct. You are to be different in your actions. You are to have a signature of the divine. People ought to look at you and see something that so sharply contrasts with the rest of the world. It should be as sharp as night and day. It should be as contrasted as day and night or light and dark. Jesus says, you are the light in the Lord. Let me remind you that each one of us that are believers, we are the light of the world. Right now, at this moment, it's not a process. It's the fact that the moment you became saved, Christ took up residence in your heart through His Holy Spirit to live in you and through you for the work of His purpose in and through your life. Notice this second thing. Light is valuable. This light is valuable we know that there are different reasons why Uh, we've already gone through this series we've learned that light gives life we know that light wins light directs light reveals light illuminates we've already highlighted all of those things but as i said before 
we could go through that series. And we could think, okay, well, I need the Bible because of this. It's going to help me. Or, you know what, I really need to be sensitive to God's leadership in my life because it's going to help me. We could even say, you know, some of you this week or these, through these weeks, you may have even said, you know what, I'm walking in darkness and I need to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need a victory in my life. It's good for me. But do you know why this, this light's different? This light's very different. Because the emphasis, the people that it benefits, it's not, we're not the ones that are highlighted as the beneficiaries of this light. It's others. Who? Let them see your good works. And do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. What does he say? No man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. No. <laughs> the song. Nobody lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. Why? Because it's intended to give light where? In the entire house. That light in that house is intended to be put up on a lampstand. Why? So the higher it is, it can impact and reach and illuminate and give light and and reveal and bring safety and victory to all these other people. In this story, it's not about us being a light or allowing that light to penetrate out from our life for our good. It's for the good of other people. We tend to be so self-centered and focused on, I want to obey the Word because it's good for me. Let's move beyond that. Let's get to a place in our Christian maturity where we study the Bible not just because we need it, but because I want to give a defense for the reason of why someone may ask me of the hope that's in me. I want to I want to learn the Bible. I want to memorize the Bible. Why? Because it's not just about me. I want to share it with my children. I want you to share it with my children. If you know my children, they need it. I don't want us to look at this story and think, man, I want to be a light just for what it's going to do to me. I want you to be able to say, wait a second. What is God wanting to do in my life to benefit someone else's? This light is not manufactured, friends. Friends, think about this. Think about this. This light, you and I, me and you, believers, what Jesus just said is huge, enormous. He just said that people can look at the way we live and turn around and glorify our Father. Wow. Guys, that is huge. This light can't be manufactured. It's either there or it's not. This light is valuable. Today, in here, I have an opportunity to be a light to other people. Today, when service is over, wherever we, if we go to lunch or wherever we're at, I have an opportunity in that restaurant, going in the parking lot. I have an opportunity, a responsibility, a privilege to bear the likeness of my Savior. Why? So the people will look at me and say, what a great man he is? No. So that it'll go well through me and on up into Jesus' 
Christ, I can actually, you can actually, according to this, live your life in such a way that it radically impacts people's lives for eternity by doing life the way Jesus told us to do it. That's awesome. Notice, notice this. Third one, please. Light is made to shine. Jesus says in verse 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, or let your light shine in this way before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I told you that we cannot manufacture this light. It's either in us or it's not. If we're a believer, it's in us. If we haven't yet trusted Christ, it's not within us. That's the truth of it from the Scriptures. That light is not, according to this, going to get brighter. It's not going to get dimmer on its own. This light is not stolen, suffocated, separated, or snuffed out. Think about this for a minute. It's not stolen, separated, snuffed out. It is there in our life. The only difference is in this story, and what is so challenging to me, is even though this light will never go out because I will never lose my salvation, if my works didn't earn it, my bad works can't take it away. If my salvation is only upon grace and mercy of Jesus Christ that I didn't earn, it's not going to go anywhere. It is promised forever. I have eternal life that will never end with Jesus Christ. If I have that light, you know what makes it brighter? Not by me adding more fuel to it. Not by me lighting another wick. Jesus said the way that it's to be seen, that light that is within each of us, is by not hindering it. Not obstructing it. It's in here. We are the light, but he says nobody takes a lamp in the middle of their home and puts something over it to hide the light. What Jesus is saying is you want to be bright? Stop hindering the light from working through your life. That's what he's saying. Now think about this for a minute. Let's put it all back in context. If we are the light... What is Jesus meaning when he says nobody lights a candle and puts a bushel basket over it? He's saying that there are things in our life that can cover up the light. What is that light again? Going back to our earlier part of the message. That light is the manifestation, the evidence the outworking of God in our life. Is it valuable? Oh, incredibly valuable to others. What Jesus is saying is that we, by no work of our own, have now become a vessel for Christ. We've been given a tremendous responsibility and a glorious privilege to bear the name of Jesus and what Jesus is saying is the problem with that light is not that it gets extinguished not that it becomes non-existent but that it becomes ineffective because we cover it up 
What are we covering up? The glorious manifestation of the outworking of God in our life. We're covering up that which has always been intended to be seen for the glory of God and the good of others. Let me ask you, why? Why? That's foolish. It's foolish to light a candle and cover it up with a basket. It's crazy. It doesn't make sense. Why light the candle if you're going to cover it up? Why would you and I? What would possibly be so great in our life? What would possibly be so troubling that we would say, Jesus, I don't want to look like you? What good thing has he done for us? What thing has he done that was so bad in our life that we would say, I don't want to look like him? What promise has He given us that has yet to be true in our life? That we would say, oh, I don't know. I don't want people to see or know that I'm a believer. I I don't want people to see this life-giving light. I don't want my Father to receive glory. What good thing has He done? What thing is it in our life that we are so afraid of that we would not want to take that basket off and let passively allow it to come out through our life unobstructed and unhindered. I tell you, there is no bad thing that God has done to us. There is no promise that is untrue. There is no force that we should be so afraid of that we would say, I don't want people to see Jesus in me. He has done nothing worthy of that. All that He has done for us is good and glorious and effective. What, a, what a, an, an attack of the enemy. What a ruthless trick he would pull on us. To get us to believe that bearing the light of the only Son of God is something to be ashamed of? No. When you go to your job and you pull up in that parking lot and you're about ready to shut that car off, Say to yourself, to God, that you, God, have put a light in me, and today, I'm going to let it shine. Say, when I go to my kid's school, students, when you go to school, and you're in that parking lot, and you're about to shut that car off, God, you have placed a light in me. And let me not be ashamed of it. I want to speak your words. I want to do your deeds. I want to live like you. Why? What great purpose? So that others may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You looking for a purpose in life? There it is right there. To live your life in such a way that God uses you down here for His purpose and more than anything else is able to receive glory and honor and praise. What is it? Is it fear? Is it shame? Is it embarrassment? Is it sin? 
things you're wound up in, you know you shouldn't be doing. Maybe you're much like Jesus' friend Lazarus, who died. Four days after his death, Jesus arrives at the tomb. Make a long story short, he stands out away from the tomb and he shouts with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came forth, bound hand and foot and grave clothes over his face. Would have looked a lot like what we would consider a mummy, walking, bouncing, hopping out of that tomb. Jesus commanded some of those that were around him to unwrap him, cut him loose. You see, for that one moment, friend, for that one moment, Lazarus was very much alive. But from everybody's appearance, because of what he was covered in, he looked dead. He would have looked like a dead man standing there because of what was covering him on the outside. Friends, maybe it's not just about fear. Maybe it's not just about awful embarrassment or fear. Maybe it's about good old-fashioned sin. Maybe the bitterness, the hatred, the envy, the lust. Maybe the habits in your life are so obvious that it's not allowing that light of the glorious gospel to shine out through your life. Maybe people can't see Jesus in you because you're walking in darkness. This light, let me end with this. Two places this light is seen. And Jesus tells us. Look at verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What's he saying? At the temple, let your light be seen. The marketplace, let your light be seen. On the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, let your light be seen. In the everyday happenings, wherever men are, let your let your light be seen through them publicly. But I can't help but notice in verse 15, Jesus says, Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, so it gives light to all that are in the what? House. You see, there's not just a public light. Dads, let me tell you something, and I can speak to this because I'm a dad. I'm a husband. You want to know who I really am? You want to know the real Jamie? It happens in my house. That's when I'm the most real that I will ever be, is in my home. Fathers, mothers, you may be one thing out in public, but what are you in home? What are you in your job? You wear many different masks? Why go to the trouble of all those different masks trying to remember which one to put on? Why not just wear one? Jesus Christ. What an awesome privilege for Jesus to look down and say, you are the light of the world. Friend, two questions today. One is, do you have light? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you ever had a very real saving encounter with Christ? If not, today's the day. He is calling. He is bidding you to come and trust Him as your personal Lord and Savior to say, God, I've sinned and I know it. I own those sins. But today, God, you, I learned that You left heaven and came to the cross to pay my penalty for those sins. And today, 
It's the 29th day of June, 2014. I trust Jesus completely with my soul and ask him to forgive me of my sins and make me right with God. And he will. The moment that happens, you are the light of the world. Friends, maybe you are a light, but that light's not shining. The light's hiding under a bushel. Fear, shame, sin. Why would we do it? There's a difference between sinning and living in sin. We all sin, but there's no reason for us to live in sin. Today, would you be willing to say, God, I'm, I'm not shining. I'm not being a light for you. I've not really accepted this great privilege and responsibility. Today, God, I am. You know, God's the only one that can change hearts. Would you be willing to repent of those sins that are binding you up, holding you back? Lay them down before God, confess them to Him, allow Him to cleanse you of those. And get up and glow. Glow brighter than you've ever glown before. Because I assure you, this world is only getting darker and darker and darker.